Welcome to the Catholic Sphere. Each week we have a different host and a different focus as we tackle topics important to Catholics around the globe. I'm your host this week, Father Joseph Mary. Today we'll be talking about the National Eucharistic Congress in July of 2024, the first one since 1976, and some of the events leading up to it. In particular, the Eucharistic pilgrimages taking place across the United States. Today we have with us Bishop Daniel E. Thomas, the Bishop of the Diocese of Toledo, Ohio. Timothy Glemkowski is the CEO of the National Eucharistic Congress. And Chanel Shaw is the route coordinator for two of the four Eucharistic pilgrimage routes. Bishop Thomas, I enjoyed meeting you at the Catholic radio event in Toledo earlier this year, where we talked about the National Eucharistic Revival. Tell us about some of the things that you have done in the Diocese of Toledo. Thanks, Father Joseph. Anthony, and I, I have to say, or Father Joseph Mary, I'm sorry. I have to say what a gift it was to meet you. And of course, I was delighted to suggest that we might be able to have this discussion. So <laughs> yes. I'm thrilled to be here on the Catholic sphere with you. I must tell you that I am so grateful we've had a team of close to uh, 15 people who have coordinated our efforts for the National Eucharistic Revival. And these are just some of the few things we've done here in the diocese. On a diocesan level, we had uh, seven evening revival gatherings. They were actually in the late afternoon, and they were from 3.30 until, uh, I believe, 5 o'clock, where we had Eucharistic adoration and two separate sections of silence, which people had not mm. encountered before, which that was yeah. a great gift. We had an art contest with our schools, children from grades K through 12. And the question was, what does the Eucharist mean to me? Hmm. And they were to respond, hmm. whether that was in song or a depiction, whether it was sculpture or painting. We had the relic tour of the patrons of the National Eucharistic Congress. And that was through uh, a full week in a different parish each day of the obviously the relics of Blessed Carlo Coutis and St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia. We brought in National Eucharistic Revival preachers for some of our events, including Father Roger Landry and Sister Joseph mm -hmm. Andrew Bogdanovich, Dominican of Mary Mother of the Eucharist. We promoted uh, the Eucharistic Revival hymns and a hymn written in Cleveland by a priest and his sister and brother. And we did that so that our worship and praise throughout the diocese would be unified, even in song. Hmm. And we also have written and have been praying through our parishes a Eucharistic revival prayer. And the focus of that also was that we might grow in our understanding of, love for, and living out of the Holy Eucharist. And it, I'm, I may have a chance to pray it later with your permission and time permitting. We'd love to hear it, and you have been busy. Now, have you seen any of the fruits from some of these initiatives? Yes, uh, just to give you an example from those uh, Eucharistic Revival, the seven gatherings, in a sense, our people were on pilgrimage to seven locations in the diocese. And I can't tell you what I've heard, especially regarding silence. Mm. And the folks who attended said that they had never sat in silence before the sacrament before. And one person said, I never knew what adoration could be like. Hmm. So those are just two examples. And thanks mm -hmm. be to God, 
that this, this was uh, these were sentiments of our own faithful. And I can tell you, I also have had pastors tell me they've seen an uptick in the faithful's attendance at Mass, the reverence for the Eucharist, and certainly with that art contest with children, we saw a renewed interest in young people for what the Eucharist means to them. Beautiful. So it's been very, it's been edifying and yes. inspiring. Well, that's it. We let the Lord do his work. Just uh, put him there and people will respond. Now, Timothy, you are the executive director of the 2024 National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis. Tell us about this event. Yeah, it's going to be a beautiful occasion for five days, July 17th through 21st, 2024. Uh, there's going to be a gathering of thousands and thousands in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium, where the Colts play in the convention center. Um, really, for us, it's about two things, an encounter with uh, the living Jesus uh, that leads us on mission as a church. The Eucharistic revival at its core, I think, ultimately um, is really about that, the renewal of the church. And so we think that happens, just like you said, when um, when people encounter Jesus personally. Great, so I'm sure you are right in the, the heat of getting the preparations and getting everything organized. How many people are you expecting to take part in this event in Indianapolis? Yeah, we want to get as many as we can there. Uh, we don't want to limit the Lord, uh, for sure, uh, no doubt. But the stadium holds, you know, a good number of folks. You think in an NFL uh, stadium and on an, any given Sunday, even with people on the field. And so we, we anticipate it being a, a big gathering. And um, I think, you know, in some ways, too, a, a really a gathering with a purpose, not just gathering for the sake of, of being together, but really for the sake of revival and renewal in the church mm. to say, um, sort of, yeah. I'm, I live in Denver, Colorado, and um, we know what what happens in some ways. 1993, when John Paul right. II visited right. the city um, in, in a gathering that, even in some ways, wasn't wasn't perfect, you know, in, in every aspect of it. There was a real beautiful renewal that came in the church afterward, in terms of a flowering of apostolates and vocations. And I, that's why I came on board this work, as I see this as the next great sort of remo renewal moment for the church in the United States. Now, could you give us just a little preview of what people will experience at this uh, at this event? Sure. Every night we're in the stadium all together, and the focus is on Jesus um, and what 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 He can do in the human heart. So Thursday night is about an encounter. Um, Pope Benedict XVI said, right in his encyclical Deus Caritas Est, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty ideal, but it's the fruit of an encounter with a person who yes. gives life a new horizon in the decisive direction. And, and we think everyone needs to meet that person. So that's really the theme of that night is that heart-to-heart -heart, um, uh, relationship and connection. The second, second night, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the third night, Friday night, is really on healing. So Wednesday is going to be sort of our opening ceremony, a beautiful moment of kind of re reflecting on the communion of the church. And then Saturday begins sort of our vigil, our, our, our prayer for the, the new Pentecost and, and openness to the Holy Spirit. So these big stadium-wide events that are also going to be met with experiences and um, a citywide Eucharistic procession on Saturday afternoon, breakout tracks and speakers, every speaker you've ever heard of all in <laughs> one place together. This is really the gathering. Who, who's the... the the um, author that said the Catholic Church is here comes everybody. The National <laughs> Eucharistic Congress here comes everybody, right? Every apostolate, every order, every um, you should mm -hmm. see the energy is just remarkable around this event. So it's going to be a family reunion mixed with a mission trip, mixed with a youth conference, mixed with um, you know sort of just a, a catechetical or a, a faith formation gathering. So really a little bit of everything. Well, I look forward to being there myself. Please God with uh, some of my friars, uh, Chanel. 
You are the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage Project lead. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so um, myself and my colleague, Maria Benish, um, and our awesome um, like director, leader, uh, Will Peterson, we are, the three of us are a team coordinating four routes of the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage that is happening next summer preceding or before the Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis. So we're super excited about it. Um, essentially, my role as one of the project leads is to coordinate two of the four routes um, of the Eucharistic pilgrimage. So I'm coordinating the route that leaves from Brownsville, Texas is the Juan Diego route and the route that leaves from Connecticut, um, which is the Elizabeth Ann Seton route. So I'm really excited. So I do everything from talking to um, you know, different diocesan contacts to coordinating with local parishes to interviewing the pilgrims that will be walking next summer. So it's just really exciting. It's really awesome. Now, a question I think a lot of people have, does that mean that there's a procession completely all the way or it stops at certain points and you have processions at different points? Explain that a bit. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, although it would be amazing uh, yes. if they could walk <laughs> like every <laughs> single step uh, there, they will um, have moments where they will be driving. And I think the beautiful thing is um, the majority of it is going to be walking and the pilgrims will stop in different dioceses. So like I said earlier, um, I get to speak with so many contacts from different dioceses around the country and we're coordinating in each diocese that we pass through um, to have Eucharistic processions, to have daily mass, to have events in the evening at local parishes, um, to spend time with local apostolates. So really giving an opportunity, like Tim mentioned earlier, for people in local dioceses to have an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist in their own backyard. So being really intentional about um, just people getting that local experience um, and just joining in on the pilgrims, uh, the the big, uh, the small group of pilgrims uh, that will be traveling for the whole two months, they'll be walking about 10 to 15 miles a day mm, in, wow. um, in the diocese that they stop in. And so they'll be um, exposition during that time, singing, silence. Mm. It's just going to be really beautiful. Well, on the official website for the Eucharistic Revival of the U.S. Bishops, they have a beautiful video about the Eucharistic Congress. Let's take a look at the clip of that now. What is the bread but the body of Christ? What do they become who partake of it? The body of Christ. The Eucharist is the means by which we are Christified. Our lowly bodies are prepared for heaven by our contact with the body and blood of Christ. Make Jesus always part of your hunger. He will give you the strength to go out and profess that you are Christian.
And you need to see the entire video if you go to the U.S. Bishop's website for the Eucharistic Revival. There's a wonderful quote of Mother Teresa you will want to see. Now, Bishop Thomas, when I first heard of the, this initiative for the Eucharistic Revival, I was so excited about how this could benefit the church in the U.S. What are your thoughts and what are your hopes? Well, I think all of us as bishops were, have been, obviously, for some time concerned about those statistics that we hear that some only 30% of Catholics actually believe in the real presence. They actually believe that the Eucharist they receive is the very person of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So I think, first of all, the very understanding and please God through the catechetical work and formation work, there will be a renewed understanding that the Eucharist is, in fact, Jesus himself. The hope is, of course, that it doesn't stop there. The hope mm -hmm. is that it will not only catechize Catholics, but catechize the fallen away, that it will bring to understanding those who seek, who perhaps may not be Catholic, and to recognize that the Jesus who is present in the Eucharist is the same Jesus who offered himself at the Last Supper, offered himself on the cross, and is risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. Wonderful. Timothy, what are your thoughts on how this initiative could benefit the church? Yeah, it's a great question. It's kind of the all-important question, really, is what's the impact of this uh, hope for and, and sort of ultimately, I think for me, Father, you know, um, the, the, what's really on my heart, I'm a millennial. And so there's a lot in my generation that have fallen away from the faith, right? And um, what is on my heart is for a renewal of the church in her mission um, to be more effective at proclaiming Jesus as the answer to every question and longing of the human heart. The human heart today is just as wired for God as it ever has been. And the questions are even deeper um, in, in many hearts in so many different ways. And so to me, the Eucharistic revival addresses an upstream problem in the church, right? All renewal work in the church ad intra toward the inside is ultimately about fruitfulness uh, in our mission to, to make disciples and, and to, to of all nations and of all of those who um, attend our parishes. And so to me, a, a critically low percentage of Catholics actually believing in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist uh, is an inhibitor to that mission. We derive our life from the Eucharist. And so if um, the fruitfulness of that sacrament is, is in some ways being contained by uh, the, the lack of belief or the lack of relationship with those who approach it, then for the bishops in college as spiritual fathers to say, we're going to take direct ownership ourselves of this problem and attempt to drive the solution in both a top-down way, but in a grassroots way as well, too, by inviting the creative energies of apostolates. Gosh, it's hard to say after three years what uh, the, the impact of it be, but it could be pretty incredible. Chanel, you wanted to get involved in this or happy to be invited to be involved in it. How do you see it as benefiting the church as a whole? I just, I mean, I it's amazing working in, um, working with so many different dioceses because I really get to hear about their demographics, their um, cultures and um, their populations and what they're experiencing. And I think, you know, just echoing um, Tim and Bishop, it's so important to give people an opportunity to have a true encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist because it really transforms lives. I know for me, when I was younger and very much an atheist, I had a significant 
significant encounter encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist, and it changed my life um, and prompted me to live differently, love differently, et cetera. Um, and so I just think it's important, especially you know, in our nation, to have that kind of recentering mm-hmm. of um, of what Jesus is calling each one of us to do. And I think it's just going to be super transformative. So my hope is that it can help people just have like a recentering and a reframe. And I think that having some time with Jesus that will be able to tell them who they are and what they're made for will be able to do that. Awesome. Bishop Thomas, you grew up in Philadelphia and the last Eucharistic Congress took place in Philadelphia in 1976, the bicentennial year. Um, were you there? I, I wonder if you're asking me this because I'm old, Father. <laughs> you're you're yes, younger than me. <laughs> I, I was. <laughs> I was happily there. In fact, I was a junior in high school, and all the Catholic high school students were asked to volunteer for all the various events. So I had this the splendid opportunity as a high school junior to volunteer every single day during the week for the different events that surrounded it. The type of events that Tim's explaining are going to be very, very much possible in Indianapolis next year. And, you know, um, I often say this to parents because they worry about their children and so on. And I think that's the important thing to experience. An event like this can be transformative to a young person's life. Uh, Tim, you mentioned World Youth Day. I was there as a newly ordained priest, and I just remember the effects and the fruits of that. Uh, you say that the Eucharistic Revival is not a program, but a movement, Timothy. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a good question. So the, the Eucharistic revival really has these three components, right, of the, the revival activity um, that Bishop is describing in the Diocese of Toledo and every diocese across the country. It's really at a local level, um, this grassroots work to bring every Catholic to a rekindled relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist, healed, formed, converted, and unified, we like to say, so that we can be sent on mission for the life of the world. And then there's the Congress, kind of the, the big event and the pilgrimage. And these three aspects work together for the next three years, and then God willing, um, in, in a continuing way, to become in um, it, it, sort of more than just, we've checked the boxes and we've done the Eucharistic revival and, mm-hmm. and now we move on to the next, right. but to continue to say, this right. is a fundamental question in our church is, do we know where our life comes from? Uh, and to keep kind of pushing on that, that issue for the church, we think that that's something that clergy and laity as Eucharistic missionaries uh, will persist in doing. And, and so we see it like that as, as less of a, a checklist and, and more of a, hey, in your place and in your family or in your parish or your school, what is God inviting you to? That's a movement. Um, that's what's really different um, than just a, a program. And this encounter that we have with the Lord, and please God, many more people will have this encounter with the Lord through this time of the revival and the Congress and so on. The Lord sends us out, right? That we have this we're impelled to go out, that we've received so much from the Lord and that he impels us. Do you agree with that, Timothy? Yeah, that's really well said. Yeah, I think that's for me what it's all come back to. Like you mentioned, these encounter moments and these events are so critical in the life of so many Catholics. For me, I was 18, forced onto mm-hmm. a bus to a Steubenville youth 
it's by my <laughs> my Irish from Chicago, and it changed everything, you know. And um, and and that that that's it. I think going back to that moment and feeling like Jesus had in some way reached into my life and given me something, shown me the answer to what my heart was made for. Um, to to want to withhold that from people or to not you know have energy in going out and wanting to share that seemed discordant with what I had come to experience. And so I think you're right. I think that's the vocation of every Catholic to holiness and mission. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're all baptized. Um, And so the Eucharistic revival is sort of about a reminder that that's our um, perennial vocation. Chanel, tell us about the four patrons for the four routes and why they were chosen. Yeah, absolutely. So um, really excited we have the Junipero Serra route um, that's leaving from California, the Juan Diego route that's leaving from Brownsville, Texas, the Elizabeth Ann Seton route leaving from Connecticut, and then the um, Marion route leaving from Minnesota. So four really great um, patrons, of course, um, with Marion, the Marion route, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of the revival. So we really wanted to honor her in that way. Um, and so just think it's a beautiful, you know, opportunity to do that, as well as we'll be stopping at quite a bit of, you know, Marian shrines on our pilgrimage, including Our Lady of Champion, um, which will yes. be just like so, so, so beautiful. So really excited about that. And then the Elizabeth Ann Seton um, route uh, was named that because of her, especially because of her particular work on the East Coast um, in Maryland, New York, Baltimore. And um, she was the first American born saint. So just really, really great to be able to um, you know, have her kind of lead us along. And it's been beautiful. If we had like three hours, I would tell you all about the different (laughs) ways these saints have popped up in the planning. Um, It's been really cool. Um, And then Juan Diego really just being intentional about honoring the Americas, um, our relationship with our brothers and sisters to the South. Um, And so it's just a wonderful experience to be able to start in Brownsville so close to Mm -hmm. Mexico and, um, and be, you know, intentional about uh, honoring the the way that the Catholic faith has rooted herself in um, the South and in those dioceses. Although, you know, Catholics are kind of uh, small in those areas. They are small but powerful and dynamic. So we're really excited for that. And then Junipero Serra um, has just done um, a lot of work in uh, on the West Coast um, in California. And so we're just, you know, honoring his uh, faithfulness to God's calling on his life and um, hoping to, you know, help people have an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist and make missionary disciples in the same way that he did. So I'm just really excited about it, for sure. Awesome. Bishop Thomas, uh, are you planning to go to the Congress? Or are you bringing anybody with you? Yes, thanks be to God. I'm very, very excited to go myself. Together with a group of pilgrims, we have uh, 200 tickets reserved for the Congress, and we'll have four buses on an official pilgrimage for the whole time. And then we also know that a number of our parishes have separately made reservations with tickets and will be bringing their own pilgrims. So we could have as many as up to 500 pilgrims together. So the gift is that we're going as a family of faith from the diocese. And the gift is for us, at least, because we're close enough, we can travel by bus together, which will be its own grace 
to be together on pilgrimage. And we know pilgrimage, of course, is that journeying together toward a goal mm -hmm. of holiness. And I think even the metaphor of pilgrimage will be realized as we make our way, even though it's not on foot, but it's on bus. There's always a bonding that happens, I've discovered too, on different pilgrimages I've been on, that you still have this connection with people even years later because you've done this similar spiritual event. Very much. In fact, I uh, had the great blessing soon after I became bishop here of bringing a, a number of pilgrims, hundreds of pilgrims actually, to Philadelphia, my original home, for the world meeting of families and the visit of the Holy Father. And still to this day, we have gatherings with those pilgrims and I've come, I, I have a beautiful relationship with a number of those families simply based on that pilgrimage. Yeah. And that gave me the opportunity to insert in what I count as the new evangelization here in the diocese. And in our diocesan prayer, we pray for an increase in holy disciples, holy families, and holy vocations. And we know that there can be no holy families without holy disciples, each one of us striving, and there are no holy vocations without holy families producing those vocations. So my sincere hope is that this is a yet another opportunity to encourage the gift and grace of disciples, families, and vocations for the church. So Timothy, we've just got a couple minutes left, but how can people get involved? Where can they learn more about uh, the events coming up? So eucharisticcongress.org, eucharisticrevival.org, and eucharisticpilgrimage.org. Three websites sort of sharing all the information about these three initiatives working together. And, and to Bishop Thomas's point, I think ultimately uh, that's a great example of what the Congress premises to do, which is to drive renewal in the local church. Um, I think the gathering ultimately is about kind of coming together to the, the Mount of Transfiguration and then being sent back on mission to our to our parishes, to our diocese. So really, I'd encourage, you know, pastors, parish leaders, uh, dedicated lay people in the parish who, are, who are just want to get something done, uh, to look at bringing a group um, and, and, and getting uh, a bus of pilgrims together to the Congress, because I think it's going to be a remarkable event. Well, thank you all for being with us. We're going to do another episode of the, this program because there's more details that we want to talk about as we go toward the future. Bishop, could you impart your blessing to our viewers? Surely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. And thank you all for being on a wonderful show today that I'm sure it's going to inspire many people to be part of this wonderful Eucharistic revival. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week here on The Catholic Sphere with host Debbie Cowden. God bless you. EWTN teaching the truth. I am a Protestant currently who's really read my way here, a large part due to Mother Angelica and programs like yours. Can't even tell you how excited I am to finally have the courage to call. I've been listening to you guys for quite some time and I get a lot of great information. I just started listening probably like three months ago and I'm obsessed and I listen to Mass every morning too. 
called to communion. Catholic Connection. EWTN Live. No one does Catholic radio like EWTN. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic.